Okay. Um, I, I mentioned something last week that uh, sometimes when I'm looking at things and part of my brain is looking at the, the scripture and then the other part of my brain goes, there's more, there's more here, I'm missing it, what is it I'm missing? I did one of those last week. We got, we got done with the class last week and I just had a sense I'm missing something of what I'm looking at and then later on in the day, uh, Cindy and I were having lunch and I went, ah, ah, there it is. So I'm, so this is actually from last week. Uh, we talked about the fact that the Savior does something very fascinating uh, in 3 Nephi 17. Remember, he puts little children, he gets in their midst, and then he commands the multitude that they should kneel around on the ground, and he's, he's troubled, he puts the people there, uh, he prays, uh, the angels come down and surround the whole thing. And at one point, the angels are kind of around the, the children, uh, but ultimately they, they will be around everybody. And I remember looking at this and thinking, I'm seeing something, what, what am I missing? I'm seeing, I can't, you know, it's like my little spidey sense, that little spider dance thing going on inside. My spidey sense is tingling. Well, you guys probably already spotted it, but uh, it suddenly hit me when I thought about the, uh, the temple, the, especially the tabernacle of Moses, where you had the most holy place, and then the holy place, and then the outer court, which was kind of, uh, in the Temple of Solomon, it had both the, the, the court of the women, and then also then the court of the Gentiles thing. And then, because what I did is I got, oh my gosh, I ended up superimposing it on that, and I got that. What did he do? He created a temple. With him in the middle. With him as the Holy of Holies. Wow! That's cool! It makes sense because I was talking to my husband about what you had said last week. And he said, well, he promised that he would not put his foot on the earth until then. So, the only place that he can stand is in a temple or sanctified. Yeah, isn't that great? Now, the, the, this still begs another question, right? If this is what he did in the midst of these people, at the temple site, the temple of Bountiful, but he is going to create a living temple in, with these Nephites, with him as the Holy of Holies, and then he's going to take the children, which would be the holy place. It's like, other than him, it's like the, the, the next most holy thing to him, which would be the children. Okay? It begs the question, why would he do this? What was the purpose? Because, by the way, by the way, by the way, the words that he then speaks to these people, what are we told? They're marvelous, but... Cannot be written. Isn't that interesting? He spoke words, they understood them, but it couldn't be written. So what has he done? Yeah, there's probably, there, that, that leads me to believe that there were some temple covenants perhaps being, being done here. And the reason he couldn't talk about them was that they were sacred. Does, does that make sense? I don't know that for sure, but it certainly makes some sense to me. At the very least, we're talking about a fascinating process where part of the sanctification of these people was that he created a living temple with himself at the middle. 
that's just like wow. That, that's that's awesome. They were surrounded by fire. And they were surrounded by fire. Which remember when when uh, when uh, Solomon dedicates his temple and they're in the temple and then they have to get out of the temple. Why? Because the the uh, the shinar, the the glory and the power and everything descends on the temple and while it's like sanctifying, cleansing the temple, everybody's got to get out of out of the way and let that happen. Same thing as it was on, on top of Mount Sinai, the Shinar, the which is the term for that glory of God descends. But but like with Joseph Smith, you know, when the Shinar descended on Joseph Smith in the grove, he's looking up and he's like, I saw like fire coming out of heaven and I was surprised that the trees didn't catch on fire because it was so amazing okay or Moses at the burning bush right that there is a this intenseness of that well he did it for the Nephites yeah same thing happened at the church of the yes and I have Yeah, kind of celestial burnings is what we're is what we're talking about. So that's cool. Yeah, so it would make sense that the angels would be involved in this whole thing. You're just seeing it in a very powerful way. Okay, cool. And so some again, some of you may have already kind of recognized that, but it's comfortable for me to finally go. Okay, I can now rest, and I figured out what it is that I was looking at. Okay, all right. That's it. Now, let's continue the story because it gets even more better. It's much more better, yeah. Alright. If we're going to uh, go to 3 Nephi 19... So I want you to picture what's happening here. Because part of, part of what we talked about uh, and, and part of what, what I became kind of aware of as you're looking at this is we're talking about the people that were there and they, and they had a chance, those that were there, we talked about this last week, that because they were there, they touched the Savior, they knew His reality, they saw their kids blessed, they saw the... the uh, the sick and the maimed all healed. Incredible stuff. They saw the angels come out of here. They got the sacrament. They got this temple experience. And what about the people like 20 miles down the road? What'd they get? Nothing. They didn't know what was happening. Why were they there? It's Passover. Shouldn't you be showing up for Passover? What kind of excuses might they been using? I was very interested to follow that thought. And as I read further, the Savior visited with him for an extended period of time. And he did give the blessings. He healed the, those who were not there the first day. Yeah. Because here, what are we going to now get? Look at, look at verse 1 come to pass. Jesus had ascended to heaven. The multitudes did disperse. Every man to take his wife and children returned to his own home. 
probably in some places going back to the hotel, you know, because they traveled to come in for Passover, those kind of things. But verse 2, it was noised abroad among the people immediately. Wasn't a lot of sleep going on that night, was there? My uncle wasn't here. My cousins are down over there. I gotta, I'll, I'll travel all night if I need to go get them. Um, and he administered unto them and said that he would show unto them on the morrow of the multitude. Now, I still picture those because I don't necessarily see. I, I want to assume that there were more healings. There were more physical healings. But it's not reported. I would, I would hope that that would happen. But there is a chance that there were people with there were cripples and stuff like that in some of the outlying cities that all they had to do was be there and their kids would have been healed. And they weren't. And we were talking last week about sometimes the explanations and excuses that we give for like, you know, there's a general authority coming to state conference. Well, yeah, but it's Sunday off. We're, gonna, we're not, we, we, we don't go to state conference. That's our chance to kind of go to the lake. That's our chance to sleep in. Because it's really an off week. And all those blessings that could be there and available for you aren't because you just didn't, you were there. Yeah? There's a cute story about, um, well, it starts with two boys, uh, and you think it's modern day. It's two boys that decide to skip church, and they decide to go fishing. And, um, and then they know that they have to get back by the end of church, so they, they're there on time when you know, their parents come out of church. Still, you're thinking it's modern time. They come back, and they can't find anything. They don't know what happened to their city of Enoch. <laughs> the Enoch first ward people are all, they left. <laughs> That's a fun story. She said, she said it, it, it's the, the story of a couple of boys that decide to skip church and they're off going fishing and they come back and they're like, nope, it, it's gone and it's like that they were living in Enoch. You know, and it kind of got translated. Well, see, to me this is, imagine that the, they're going out and they're, they're finding these people and say, you can't believe what happened, you know, and, and little Billy here, or Billy Ihaw or whatever was is now healed uh, and because we were there for that. Okay? So, so now we get this um, it was noised abroad in the people immediately. The multitude had seen Jesus. He administered to them. Uh, three, it's, it's noised abroad concerning Jesus. They sent forth the people. An exceedingly great number did labor exceedingly all that night that they might on the morrow be in the place that Jesus should show unto him to the multitude. Uh, man, they're just playing catch-up here. It's like they're, they're having to travel all night because they're hearing all these, these great things. Okay? Um, verse 4, by the way, this isn't really part of anything. I think it's just kind of fascinating. Uh, verse 4 gives us a list of who? Twelve. The twelve. Yeah. Now, as a side note, we're going to talk next week a little bit about the uh, the iconic three Nephites. You know, so it means one of three of these guys were the uh, were the three Nephites who would like hang around with John until the end of, of time. Um, do you know that at least one account has given us the names of these guys? Uh, which ones were the three Nephites? 
Oliver Huntington, uh, later in his life, who, who knew the, the Prophet Joseph uh, personally, in his memoirs said, oh, by the way, Joseph told me which ones the three Nephites were. Yeah, and he told me their names. Which I thought is, is interesting. We don't have it anywhere else. But at least we have the word of one pioneer who said these are the, the names of the three Nephites. Okay? It's a secret you don't get to know. Kumananhai, Jeremiah, and Zedekiah. Don't know if that's true, but that's what Oliver Huntington said were the names of the three Nephites. Okay? Alright, now, one of the things that I continue to be intensely interested in because of writing the things that I've done, prayer is just fascinating to me. And, and our, it's our communication with heaven and how we do it. And part of the, that fascination is the fact that as Latter-day Saints, I think it's to our credit that we on a regular basis distress over the fact that our prayers aren't very good. Or that we're not getting answers to prayers. Now as a side note, what does that say about us? Lack of faith. Not just the lack of faith. Lack of understanding. I get why we can't do it. But there's a sense that we could be doing more, but we haven't gotten there yet. Go positive. Don't, don't, don't look at the negative aspect. That we pray. Yeah, and how important is it that we have contact with our Heavenly Father? It just fills us, doesn't it? And that's why we distress when we don't get answers, when we struggle, because more than anything, what do we want? We want contact with our Father. That says who we are, that we would that we want to have him help us and tell us and guide us, right? We want him to tarry. We want him to tarry. Please hang around, stay close. I, and I think that for all the times when we struggle, we're not getting answers to prayer, never forget the fact that you are distressed is the fact because you want that contact, because that says who you are.
Yeah, but I'm horrible. I, I get that. <laughs> However, you are a better person than you know because you're distressed. The fact that we are distressed because we can't get answers to prayers says a lot about us. So when we run across things where the Savior is giving direction about prayer and about heavenly communication, I perk up. I pay attention because this is, this is really valuable, I think, to us. So look, let's look at 7 through 9. Okay? Who's got that? Who wants to? Feeling so moved. Yeah, thanks. And the disciples did pray unto the Father also in the name of Jesus. It came to pass that they arose and ministered unto the people. And when they had ministered these same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken, behold, they knelt again and prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay, now. Just as a side note, before we read the next verse, I need you to know what's happening here. When we talk about they knelt and prayed, who are we talking about? The disciples. the disciples. What you're about to get in all of chapter 19, and we didn't really get to chapter 19 last week. We're kind of doing, we're leading into this, okay? This is a very public training of the disciples. The entire chapter is about the disciples. But it's unique in the fact that it's almost like if you were going to have a uh, general authority training by the Savior with the church watching. Everybody's watching these disciples being trained. It would be like we could sit in and listen while they're doing the, these trainings every year for new mission presidents. And we would, get to, we would get to hear and watch them being trained and what they're being trained in. Okay? That's what this is. All of chapter 19 is a training, training of the disciples. Now, by the way, why would that be important? What does that have to do with us? Well, if it's, if it's good enough for the disciples, good enough for us. Absolutely. And, and by the way, these disciples are going to now go out and preach the gospel and be in charge of all those kind of things. What about us? This is also us. Okay? It's, it's almost like the world were watching us being trained. That's why, it, that's why it works. Okay? Okay, so when they're being... So, so there, a lot of things are going on here. Now we get to verse seven, verse nine, and we're about to find out something about these disciples. And they did pray for that which they must desire, and they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. Oh, isn't that? There's a jam. What did they pray for? What they most desired, right? And what did they desire more than anything? Yeah. The Holy Ghost. It's almost like, you know the genie question? If a genie showed up, you know, we're going to give you three wishes, and you couldn't ask for like three more wishes. <laughs> My first wish will be three more, and then I'll use two, and then I'll give the three more. And that's the way my brain always works. It's like a perpetual genie wish, you know. The last one will always be three more wishes. <laughs> but if you're trying to say, okay, look, if you could pray for anything, you can only pray for one thing, what would you pray for? I want to pray for my kids, or I pray, you know, my wayward son, or... What did they pray for? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Is that beautiful? Well, it's the all-inclusive prayer. If you pray for the Holy Ghost, you're going to have the ability to be able to have yeah. anything. It's like saying to, to Solomon, 
I'll give you I'll give you one thing. What do you want? His was wisdom. And I think this is very related to this. Now, does that does that have an impact on your, your prayers? When you're going to show up with your laundry list of things that the Lord is supposed to do for you this week? And everything he's supposed to fix? Elder Bednar said this. As I am blessed now to pray with the apostles and prophets, and he did this shortly after he was called, I find among the modern day leaders of the Savior's Church the same characteristic that described Captain Rome in the Book of Mormon. These are men whose hearts swell with thanksgiving to God for the privileges and blessings which he bestows upon his people. Also, they do not multiply many words, for it is given unto them when they should praise. We're about to go to this verse. And they are filled with desire. Desire for what? The Holy Ghost. What I want more than anything is the Holy Ghost to guide me. There is a, there's a gratitude and humility to that that is just, if you capture the essence of that, it should change your prayers. I think. Then he says, the prayers of the prophets are childlike in their simplicity and powerful because of their sincerity. Wouldn't it be fun to listen to Elder Bednar pray? We had, uh, in our uh, high priest group yesterday, we had, uh, in the Plano State, we had President Wilding come and uh, ask him to give the, the closing prayer in our high priest group. Beautiful prayer by President Wilding. Very grateful, very childlike. Okay. And I was thinking about this as we were doing this. Okay. All right. So if that's the case then, by the way, if you're praying for the Holy Ghost in your prayer, what would that sound like? Please give me the, the Holy Ghost. Oh, wait a minute, I got that gift when I was baptized. What would that prayer sound like? Stacey? For me, it's like, pray that I will understand how the Holy Ghost speaks to me. It's different for everybody. Oh, I like that. In other words, help me to know with my unique spiritual machinery kind of thing, how, help me to understand how the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Okay? I like that. Okay? What else? If, if you're really wanting the Holy Ghost, what would it be like? Yeah. My prayer's always been to have the ears to hear. Yeah, and help, and help me to have the ears to hear. Meaning, help me to have a... Let me do... To be able to be receptive to the Spirit and hear the prophecy. And be able to understand. We're going to talk about understanding this in a second. Okay? Yeah. Well, I would be I'm there ahead of me. I just need to be worthy of that. Because if mine is screaming at my kids, you know, so help me to have patience to get to the end uh, and find time to study my scriptures and do what I need to do so that I can be... So, so that I can be worthy. Ah, okay. Before I... Yeah, and so I'm... Hey, hang on to that for about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
See, and isn't that, listen to what's being said, because in none of this are we getting the, uh, here's my laundry list, fix this, change this, take care of this, make this happen, change this, work on this, arrange for this, take care of this. It's almost like you bring in the heavenly handyman and have him, have him take over. Yeah? You know, I think it's also important not only to ask the Holy Ghost to prepare ourselves, but constantly acknowledge what's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, 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 then Heavenly Father knows that we do appreciate the gift that we, we have the gift of it. And so we need to be able to recognize that so that we can continue to... If we think about these disciples that are praying to the Father and the Savior is right there, do you think you're telling the Father, make sure, make sure that Jesus does this while he's here, and make sure he does this, and take care of this, and have him arrange for this? Think he's doing think you're doing that? What are they doing? Thank you. Thank you for having him here. Thank you that my son was healed. Thank you for the spirit that I felt, the sacrament. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tom, where are you? Oh, well, you were kind of taking my, my thunder. Um, <laughs> I think it's more than... That's, that's what I do. Not give them a list of what we think is necessary, what we think should happen. But for me, it's, it's to give me the patience, like everybody else has said, you know, to hear and understand, but to really know what is His will. Not what I want. Right? Not what I think should happen. Not, not how I think should be.
you know, my land to their lands. And that's called that one-ment. That's that atonement. We become one. And that intercessory prayer is fired by the Holy Ghost. And so he's going to say, Now, Father, verse 23, I pray for them and those that believe on their words. Cool. And by the way, who would that be? But we know anybody that they'd be referring to? Us. Us. Why? Because we, where do we have their words? Isn't that cool? Why do you think you feel the gift of the Holy Ghost while you're reading the Book of Mormon? Here's the promise. This is why. He extracted, and they're going to write their words, and their words are going to be believed. Because anybody who reads their words and believes in their words is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that would include us. If you've got the Book of Mormon, you've got their words. This is a very, this is applicable to you sitting there, you know, on a morning reading your scriptures. This promise is yours. This is very, very personal. Uh, and anybody else that would accept the church and accept these words, okay? Uh, those who believe in their words that they, us, uh, may believe in me that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one. If that is a verb, not just a... We have, we have been one. We've been combined. We have been joined. We have been atoned. Okay? Now, verse 24 came to pass that when Jesus had thus prayed, he came to unto his disciples. They did continue without ceasing to pray unto him. And like Elder Bednar was talking about, they did not what? Whoa. Think about your own prayer. Isn't it easy to get in the, in the pattern of things? Like I did pray for these six things and I made you the first one last and the last one first and I'm going to bury it. So, so this is a different prayer because what is usually four is now one and I'm going to... I buried my prayer. How do you pray without multiplying very many words? But you may be thankful for the same thing every time, right? The Holy Ghost is inspiring you what to say. Oh, okay. Hold on to that idea. Let's go down to... Um, Oh, here it is, because here it comes. You ready? Um, verse 24. Came to pass that Jesus thus prayed to the Father. He came unto the disciples. They did continue without ceasing. Did not multiply many words. Why? For it was what? Given unto them what? They should pray. Is it okay for you to be inspired in your prayers? To know what to pray to the Father for. Be inspired by the Holy Ghost to know what you pray for. Because it's part of how the Lord teaches you what you need. Excuse the ignorant question. <laughs> what? We allow ignorant questions. Why would they pray to Jesus and not to the Father? Ah, ah. That has been one of those questions that keeps coming up out of this verse. Yes, nice lady in the back. You'll notice that there's a lot of times here, like we just read, they were actually praying to the Father in the Savior's name. But there is a certain amount of time because He's right in front of them 
that they do address some of their prayers to Him, right? And sometimes people have gotten really wrapped around the axle on this and go, wait a minute, we're supposed to pray to the Father and they're praying to Jesus. If you read most of the time their prayers are praying to the Father. But there were some times, like, because He's right in front of them, that they did direct some things directly to Him. Okay? Um, and, and, and think about it. We, we pray to the Father in the Savior's name, but in some of your gratitude prayers, don't you find yourself saying, Thank you, Lord, for doing this for me. You're actually kind of talking more directly to Him. I just think sometimes gratitude is, if we're that grateful, that we sometimes express that directly to the person we're being grateful to. Well, considering that they, the Father and the Son consider themselves to be one, anyway, yeah. I doubt that they're authentic. <laughs> but because they are one, if you're praying to me, you're praying to Him. And yet he's the one that always says, make sure you pray to the Father in my name. But uh, I, think that, I think that's a really good point. <coughs> okay? Now, so out of this, when I take a look at how do you improve your prayers, how can you have the kind of prayer experience that you would really, really like to have, I'm taking from this, there are three principles that came out of this section talking about prayer. There's a lot of other angles you can look at as you look at these chapters, but I really wanted to focus on prayer. Uh, why? Because it's one of my goals for this class, that as you study more deeply, and you study with a more focused, laser-like intensity, that you combine that with the prayers and really nice things I think the Father has promised you will get. That your life can begin to be changed a little bit. Okay? That's, that is my goal is it as an instructor, is that your life gets to be different. That you get to have a closer, tighter relationship with the Savior. Well, and with the Father. And here come the three principles I think that come out of this chapter. Number one. Desire the Holy Ghost. The first thing that you're wanting to do is desire the Holy Ghost. And I think you guys have said it very well. If I'm desiring the Holy Ghost, I want Him directing me so... I, I use President Irene's prayer. You know, all I want is what you want. All I want is what you want. Make my heart one so that all I want is what you want. And I need to have the Holy Ghost to do that. Okay? That's one. Number two. If you will allow Him, He will teach you what to pray for. The most wonderful prayers I ever have is where the Spirit takes over and I hear myself saying things that I wasn't planning on praying for. And I hear it. And it's just, it's, it's fun to kind of be lifted. Now, in this church, by the way, not, let's just pretend for a, for a moment that some of you might have ever had this experience. You ever had the Spirit lift you and you heard yourself saying things you weren't planning on saying? In a talk? In a lesson? In conversations with your kids? In conversations with a neighbor? Haven't you heard that? Why couldn't you do that with Heavenly Father? And allow that Spirit to lift you so that the prayer can be what He wants you to pray for. Does that make sense? Okay, so num number one, we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Number two, we want to have the Holy Ghost teach us what to pray for. And finally, number three, you will then understand Him. 
Because then you're going you're gonna to understand what it is that he has in mind for you.
Let's uh, strap it on for a sec here and see if we can get done. Um, to do that, let's start off by going to the book of Abraham. And I mentioned uh, a little while back, remember that, uh, let me just review the story with you real quick in case some of you didn't hear it. The, the story that is part of uh, uh, the Mishnah, which is Hebrew lore, was the fact that uh, Abraham's father, Terah, was an idol builder. You remember, he was building idols. And he had an idol shop, like a retail shop with all kinds of idols. And you remember that uh, Abraham gets sick of that at one point and just goes, comes down in the middle of the night and breaks all the idols and leaves just one idol sitting there. And then his dad comes down in the morning and goes, what happened to all my idols? And Abraham says, well, the big one did. <laughs> and Terah says, it can't be. He's just, a, he's just made a stone. And, and Abraham's response is, exactly. <laughs> That's the point. He can't do anything. It's a stone. Okay. Which then, which then leads us to the first verse of Abraham 1.1, which says, who's got that? Okay. Abraham 1.1 says, In the land of Chaldeans. Uh-huh. In the land of Chaldeans. In the land of Chaldeans, at the residence of my fathers, I, Abraham, saw that it was needful for me to obtain another place of residence. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? I figured out it was time for me to live somewhere else. Besides the fact that my dad has tried to sacrifice me on the altar to, to his gods of Elkanah, but on top of that, I just think maybe it was better time for me to live somewhere else. Okay? Now, here comes the, what comes then in verse 2 is just fascinating to me. Okay? Uh, well, you can go on and go on with verse 2. Okay, here we go. And finding there was great happiness and peace and rest for me. Okay, somewhere out there, there's going to be greater rest, but he has some specific things that he thinks he's going to be able to find, and they are. He has some understanding about the blessings of the fathers, and, and if he had those blessings of the fathers, the next line is. And the right whereunto I should be ordained to administer the same. Oh. Okay, now read that one slowly again. The, and the right, right whereunto I should be ordained. Number one. To administer the same. And administer the same. What's he describing? The priesthood. The priesthood. I wanted the rights of the fathers, the blessings of the fathers, that I could be ordained to and administer the same. Administer to who? Others. Others, especially his family. Those that he loved. I wanted the blessings of the fathers. Which, by the way, was I getting from my dad? No. Okay? Now, so keep, so keep on reading. And if I get those things, then, then amazing things happen, right? Keep going. Okay. Having been a follower of righteousness. Oh. Yeah, yeah, keep, keep going. Because the way he says this is greater. And, and then, again, well, we could do like hours on this one verse. But <laughs> having been a follower of righteousness and... Desiring also to be one possessed possessed great knowledge. Okay, he's got that desire. He wants greater knowledge. Okay, and then, listen to what he says. 
and then what? To be a great follower of righteousness. Greater. 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 I, was a I, I was a follower of righteousness. I wanted to be a greater follower. I had a little bit. I wanted a lot. And then, what else does he want? And to be a father of many nations. Greater. In other words, he said, I have these things that I kept doing pretty good. I want more. I, want, I, I had some, I've been a follower, I want to be a greater follower. I had some knowledge, I want to be a greater follower. Greater knowledge, yes. Oh, more. Because then what happens with this priesthood I hold? It becomes much more powerful, right? As I have a greater follower of righteousness and have greater knowledge. Okay, now. So based on that, and, and, and if I have those, then what happens? Then I'll be a father of many nations. And then I'm going to be, a, that, because of that, I will be a father of many nations, and I will be a prince of peace. Which, by the way, prince of peace, he would have gotten that name from? Melchizedek. Who we think was Shem. Yeah. He was raised in this apostate home. Yeah. Where did you get that? Ah, uh, okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Let's now go to Moses 5, 7 through 9. That was really great timing, by the way. Thank you. She's a plant. Yeah, she's a ringer. We worked this out. Okay. So I want you to hear this one. Because here's the fascinating part about this. And we talk about this as being the Abrahamic covenant. The promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did they originate with Abraham? No. He already wanted the blessings of the fathers, meaning Terah? No, meaning who? Adam. I want the blessings to go way back. Okay? So... Uh, who's got uh, who's got Moses five minutes? Huh? And he gave unto them the commandments that they should worship the Lord. See, what you're learning here is what I go through, which is these guys are ready. You Okay. I was ready. Okay. <laughs> then the angel spake, saying, This thing is a similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten of the Father, which is full of grace and truth. Okay, so so we know this is the experience where the angel finally comes. By the time Adam and Eve are grandparents, the angel finally shows up for a long period of time. He finally says, how come you're doing this? We don't know. We're just supposed to. Well, this is thing is a similitude. Now, let me teach you. Okay? It's almost like, almost like three guys came along and started teaching them the right principles. Okay? This is what this is. Okay? So, you can do that. And then we get to verse 9. And in that day, the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, which beareth record of the Father and of the Son, saying, I am the only begotten of the Father, from the beginning, henceforth, and forever, that as thou hast fallen, thou mayest be redeemed, and all mankind, even as many as will. Ah, okay. Here's where it begins. So he got, because he believed, he got the Holy Ghost. Now, so just, it's just, it just for him? Through you, who's going to be blessed? All mankind. Along with, 
with why with his 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 wonderful helpmate Eve, and because she is the mother of all living. Okay, in other words, there are going to be nations flow from these two people, and there are blessings that are going to be extended. This is the blessings of the fathers, and it begins right now. Okay, uh, now one more. Hang with me. I know we're waiting through here. Keep swimming for a second. Okay? Section uh, 107 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Because this is at the end of his life. 107, 54, 55. Who's got that? Okay? Thanks. And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam, and called him Michael, the prince and the archangel. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam, and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head. A multitude of nations shall come of thee, and thou art a prince over them forever. Okay. Can you hear the blessings of the fathers? What did Abraham want? These blessings. I want to be like Adam and Noah. That from them, that's where, that's how coming knew. If I got that priesthood, if I could obtain that priesthood, one of the blessings that comes from being a priesthood holder and and women as a joint priesthood holder with your husband, all of these blessings flow, including blessings of being able to bless and have nations descend from you. You're going to be a prince of peace. Wonderful blessings. Okay? Now, why would that be kind of so important here? Um, we have you now. I know we're jumping off. Yeah. Where does this Prince of Peace come in? Because there wasn't a lot of peace. <laughs> he says, "Where did the Prince of Peace come from?" Um, the actual name, Prince of Peace, may have been a term that was used previously. But if it's like what we think, if we think Shem was Melchizedek, Melchizedek would be a title. Because the term Melchizedek means Prince of Peace. Okay? And so, was there peace with Melchizedek? There was, there was, was there peace with Enoch? Yes. Melchizedek did what Enoch did. If you read the inspired version, Melchizedek had a city at Salem. Uh, eventually it's going to become Jerusalem. Was Melchizedek. But he had the same thing happen that Enoch did. Did he get peace? Yeah. He sought for peace. On this earth? No. They were translated. His city was translated as was Enoch's. Okay. We swimming yet? Yeah. Okay. I think there's always been, in the world, there will always be violence. And anything the opposite of peace. The righteous has always had to come to it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because it means you'll find peace even in the midst of, boy, we're going to talk about that one in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say that Salem was translated? That Melchizedek had a city that was translated. I think he was the king of Salem. That eventually we think becomes Jerusalem. Now does that mean that there was a city at Salem on Mount Moriah that was... Yeah, probably. Don't know for sure. Where does that come from? If you look in the inspired version of Joseph Smith on um, Genesis, whatever that is. And it talks about how, how Melchizedek uh, sought for heaven. 
sitting there at uh, on, on top of Mount Moriah. Okay? That's why it's the Holy City. Exactly. Okay, now, but I want you to see here. So here comes, but here comes the opposite, and this is why Abraham had to do what Abraham did because he wasn't going to be able to find it from the people immediately around him. He had to go back to Abraham or to Adam and Noah because he couldn't get it from the people he's surrounded by. Because now let's go to Genesis 11, 4 and 8. Okay? Yep. Okay. And they said, go to, let us go. Okay, so let's talk for a second. Let's give it. This, we're about to talk about who? Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. So this is, uh, this is Nimrod. We don't know really for sure if Nimrod was an actual person or if he was a kind of symbolic of all of that. But we know that at this time that these are these people. And listen, and I don't know everything that's going on with these guys, but there's some really intriguing phrases here. Okay? So? Go to, let us build us a city and a tower. Okay, so now we're going to build a, not just a tower, but we're going to build a city. Okay, and it's going to, we're going to build it for a specific purpose. Who's talking to reach Okay, now we have taken that to mean they're going to build a really, 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 really tall temple. So we go to the top floor and set from there into heaven, right? But it more likely means what? Symbolically, this would be, what are they doing? They're building a temple, right? That will reach heaven, okay? And we want this to happen. We want this thing because why? And let us make us a name. Okay, now, fascinating, fascinating. Because we're still talking about covenants. If we have this city, first of all, we are going to be given a name, and I'm not, I'm not sure what that name was. But their understanding was, we build this city, we get a name. And because of this name, what happens? Lest we be scattered. <coughs> oh, if we don't have a name, we will be scattered. Wow. So in other words, there was some understanding that these people had that says, if we don't build a city and a tower a temple, we're gonna, we won't have a name, and we will be scattered. Okay, that was their understanding. And in fact, verse 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth. Oh, it happened anyway. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> Is that the end of it? It says, and they left off to build the city. Okay. Alright. So there was an understanding there's an understanding among these people that if we have a name, what will happen? We won't be scattered, right? So we have to have a place that we can go that will reach unto heaven, that will give us a name, and because of that, we won't be scattered. We will be gathered in. Yeah. Norman, think of that phrase, give us a name. I think back to King Benjamin's draft, yep. and then the Savior, yep. Yep. and all they asked what name shall we be known by? Yeah. And, and that seems to be very important to them. Maybe these people were outside of the gospel sense. You know, they were they were 
unorganized as as a religious body, if you will. But they knew that there were some things that need to happen. And, and as it all often happens in apostate or people of misunderstanding, they have the form of godliness. They know that in order to stay together, we're going to need a building, we're going to need a name that will keep us from being scattered. We have the... I mean, did Pharaoh do this? Egyptus? She goes off there and it's like, we know that there's a trip through the underworld and if we will have certain elements that we will be, we'll receive immortality. We don't have priesthood, so we don't have all of it, but we know there's a form of this and maybe if we get the form thereof, maybe we'll get close. Maybe we'll be okay. Yeah. That's why we can't have a testimony of the church. We need to have a testimony of the gospel because... Oh, shoot, I just lost it. <laughs> no, very good. Because you can't rely on the traditions and, and the... And the yeah, yeah, those things. <laughs> because in other words, I, I, I'm not going to be saved by my war. Right, exactly. I'm not going to be saved by the form. I mean, there's a form of godliness here. They right. seem to be good people, but I'm not going to be saved by good people. Right. There's a form of it. I keep the commandments. I'm not going to be saved by keeping the commandments. I'm going to be saved by the grace of, of God and His atonement. Yeah. Also, think of the word scattered. Uh, it means to be unbound. Yes. And if you're not bound, you're not like joined together yes. with families. There's no ceiling ordinances. There's, you know, they're trying to mimic the ordinances of the gospel. You put it together, can you hear it? All this stuff that says... Uh, those outside of this may see a form of godliness. Uh, why do you think it was that the that uh, the Nephites would ask a 15-year-old boy in their final days to be their captain? Does that make any sense to you? Unless what? There's a tradition of we win when we have a good guy in our head. We win when we have prophets in our head. We don't necessarily believe he's a prophet, but that seems to be like a good luck charm. <laughs> We've got a better chance of winning when we have a good guy. We don't believe a word he's saying, we don't want him to preach to us, but just kind of be in our head. Because there's a form there. Now, one little, other little piece here. I don't want to... Do you know what Abraham's brother's name was? Nahor. Nahor. Do we have any Nahors in the Book of Mormon? Yeah, we have the desolation of Nahors. Okay. Could it have been that they were trying to say, we're looking for the blessings and things that went to Abraham, but we don't want it. There's a form there that seems to be successful, so we're, going, we're not going to do covenants, we're going to do combinations. He seems to be having kind of a saved by the blood, so we will do a blood oath. I mean... Do you see him trying to... Mimic. Yeah, they're mimicking the form of godliness, but not having the power thereof. Okay? Alright. I'm having a hard time getting to the... Okay. Alright. Uh, uh, let's go to 1 Nephi 15. Abraham 1, 18 and 19 is going to say that he sought for it and he got it. He received the blessings he was, Abraham was looking for. Okay? 
First Nephi 15, 18. Who's got that? Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So there was an understanding with the Nephites very early on, over and over and over, that there were covenants and promises made to anybody who would then fall under this lineage of Abraham. And they knew, by the way, for Abraham, for Lehi, do we know his genealogy? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Manasseh. That's where they were descended of, right? Okay? So they were heirs of all of these promises and all of these covenants, the blessings of the fathers. But it isn't just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is Adam, you know, Noah. You know, you just watch all of these blessings that were given. Here they come. And it's not just the form of godliness, it's the power to administer the same. Okay? Coming down to this day. Okay, now. Hey, we finally made it to 3520. <laughs> and we got 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, now, this is kind of fun in the fact that do you remember on the first day that, that the Savior comes down, we talked about how um, he, he'd just given them the sermon on the temple, then he says, and so now they've, got this, they've gone through four or five hours of touching him and being aware of that, and then they get the sermon, and then, and then he says, well, I think you guys are weak, I've got more to tell you, but that's, I'll do that tomorrow. And then they're, they're, they do that pleading for him to stay, wanting to tarry, he stays, and they get the sacrament and the angels and the children and all of that wonderful stuff. And then he says, okay, now I'm going. Okay, now what's about to happen in 3 Nephi 20, they're going to get the rest of the story that he was going to start telling on the first day. Okay? And listen to what it was that he had intent to teach them. Uh, 10, it came to pass when they finished, they get given all glory. I'm not even going through the fact that they then took the sacrament and nobody has an idea where the bread and the wine came from. It just, it was there. And the parallels to the feeding of the 5,000 is, is, we don't have time for that. Came to pass, when they would given all glory unto Jesus, and that, so they're, they're thanking him, okay, he says unto them, now I finish the commandment which the Father hath commanded me concerning this people. Now, here's a commandment that I got from the Father, and I need to give you something, information and knowledge specifically. And some things that are going to go with this. And what is it? Ye are a remnant of the house of Israel. And all of this Squirrely anti-Mormon tracks that try and do DNA studies and try and suggest that these guys weren't Israelite. They are. They are. They are a remnant of the house of Israel. And heir to what? All that the Lord has intended 
to the heirs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Go do ceilings in the temple. Don't listen to the promises that are given to those kneeling across the altar and the blessings that are given uh, to, to the, this house of Israel. Now, 14. There are, we're gonna, there, there are uh, about four attendant blessings that go with the covenant of Israel. Uh, one of which is, look at verse 14. And the Father hath commanded me that I should give unto you what? This land. Okay. Why is he giving them, why is land so important? It's one of the blessings that comes to covenant Israel. Is that there will be a land inheritance. Why? To sustain themselves. Sustain them so they're going to have a place to be. Why else? to that land. You've got, you've got to be gathered. And that's why there has to be a gathering to this place. There has to be a place where you're now going to be gathered. That's why it's so significant at this point that there are now more Jews in Israel than there are outside of Israel. Yeah, it just happened just a few years ago. The, the line cross, where more the dysphoria is now making a lie. Those that were scattered are now being gathered. Okay. So part of it is a land in here. Then part of why is it we gather is because in those places, what do we get? Temples. And in that temple, what are you going to be given? A name. And those that have a name are not scattered any longer. They are gathered. That's why we get the name. Because when He comes, He's going to call us by the names. And we're going to recognize Him and He will say to those that have that is form of godliness, you never knew me. You never knew my name. You thought you did, but you didn't. I call unto those people who because when I gather a people and I covenant with them, the first thing I do, and King Benjamin nailed it, I will now give you a name. And those that have a name are not scattered. That's what this is about. Okay? Uh, so now we get all of this. Um, and I love the imagery here. Verse 18. I will gather my people together as a man gathereth what? I put some sheaves up there. What do you see? How do you gather sheaves? In bundles. Right? You're going to go, you're going to gather them in, and you're going to put them in bundles. Okay? We call those bundles today and stakes. Those bundles are stakes. You're gathered together to those stakes. I mentioned the other day that I had a I had a, a PPI in our uh, in in the state president's office uh, over here in Round Rock in Plano, Plano building. And as I'm sitting, as I as I walk into the state president's office, it flashes to me that almost symbolic in my mind, I picture like this: 
large tent pole, kind of rising up from that president's office. Because remember when they established the tabernacle in the wilderness, that the tent, the, the tents to the tabernacle, each tent pole that went to the 12 tribes that were camped around, each one had their place, they had their land inheritance around the temple. And each one would have a stake of that temple tent driven into their land. So if you're going to gather, where do you gather? Under your tent pole. Well, when, I, when I'm in the stake president's office, I can spiritually kind of see a big tent pole. That if we were now to be gathered today and, and the word would go out, if you lived in Plano, you would gather where? At that tent pole. If you're in Allen, you gather at that tent pole. If you're in McKinney, I mean, we just have our sheets. We have our, the gathering is underway. We have been gathered in. Um, by the way, and I've mentioned this before, what about, what about the ten tribes? Remember, there were ten tribes, those guys, they just kind of got carried off captive by the Assyrians and they were taken off into the north countries. Where are they get? Well, if it weren't for the ten tribes, we wouldn't be heirs to the house of Israel because they married in all that, of them. That helped. They gave up some inheritance rights. But, but I, I've, I've told this story before. President Packer of the temple will tell this uh, as well. But let me just remind you that in talking to uh, my patriarch, uh, Lou Lordson, he tells, he tells the story about the uh, patriarchs, true story, the patriarchs that in, in parts of Russia where they are, uh, they don't have very many, you know, the church isn't very strong, so they called a couple of Russian-speaking patriarchs to go off into Russia and give patriarchal blessings. And they go off into a small village in Russia, and, they, and the one patriarch relates the experience of giving a patriarchal blessing to a person in a tribe he's never given to anybody before. And he goes, wow, that's unusual. I've never given this tribe before. And then in comes the next person. Patriarchal blessing, same tribe. In comes the next person, same tribe. Everybody in the village was the same tribe. And he says, I've never had this happen before. Do you know you guys are all the same tribe? They went, oh, we know that. <laughs> Our tradition says that we've, we've been here all along. When we were called off out of, by the Assyrians, this is where the tribe is. We're, we're here. They knew who they were. What tribe was? I don't remember. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't. Yeah. Okay. So, so what that, I had to completely redo my thinking then because what does that mean about the ten tribes? They are being gathered when? Now. It's underway. Does that mean then that what about the flow of ice and they're going to come out of the north countries? That could very easily be symbolic because it's happening as we speak, the, tri the tribes are being gathered. The last days are here. Yeah. And it's happening so fast. My freshman year in, in college was the first missionary ever called to uh, Russia. Yeah. And, that's, I mean, and now we have a temple in Kiev. It, it, it's so fast. Yeah, and so we're just watching all of this. But in other words, they are being gathered in sheets. Okay? And they are being gathered in all over. Yeah. You've got to watch those education weeks, <laughs> 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 
That would be Victor Lovell, probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, he was talking about just about how we don't we don't realize because we sit and we say, well, there's still all these countries that we're not in and that we're not testifying. We don't have missionary. I guess like within the first month of the of, of the launch of this specific TV station, everything they had like over eighty or eight hundred thousand hits from China, and they said. Of course, they've gone into trying to figure out what they're doing, and they're they're trying to learn English is what they're doing. But, but it's BYU TV is what they're asking. Right. And so I think that that just goes to show that we don't even realize the magnitude of how global this is. And, and how quickly, and how quickly how quickly we're finding Israel and we're gathering it in. And that's what the Savior is trying to say in all through this. He's trying to say to them. You are Israel. The Lord has made promises to you. You are being gathered in. And, and the covenant, the, the law of Moses is over. By the way, has the covenant been completely completed with the house of Israel? No. We're, we're, we're doing that. Okay. Well, we're... Okay, let's... Um, okay. I got five minutes. Okay, let me do it this way. Verse twenty-five, uh, or verse twenty-four of Third Nephi twenty. I say unto you, and all the prophets from Samuel, they have they have testified of me. I am the Savior. Okay, and then he's going to say this. And behold, and I want you to picture almost like the Lord is talking to you, okay? And behold, verse 25, ye are the children of who? The prophets. And ye are the house of Israel. And ye are of the what? Covenant. Isn't that great? You are them. Now, and 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 saying unto Abraham, In thy seed shall the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Now, let me show you the very first step in that gathering. The very, very first step. And it can happen with you this week. Okay? The very first step in, that, in this promise, this covenant. And it's in verse 26. Listen closely. The Father having raised me up unto you first, and sent me to bless you. And then he's going to give you a very specific blessing. And it is what? Turning away every one of you from his what? Have you ever thought that the moment that you're taking the sacrament on Sunday morning is the first step towards the gathering of Israel. Because it is. That is the first step. Because you cannot gather until you are cleansed, right? And the first thing that He will do to you is cleanse you of your iniquities. Why? Because what happens when you're cleansed of your iniquities? You are gathered. You are at one. You are one with Him. You are now sanctified. You are now one with Me. 
I have gathered you first. Now go out and gather others. I yes. thought baptism was the way. That's part of that. And, and by, that's how he does it specifically. I will cleanse you of your iniquities through baptism so that you are now able to have the baptism of fire shine off and come down inside your heart and cleanse all of that stuff. So now you're gathered. You're under the tent. Now, feed my lambs. Go get them. Okay, that's the first, that's that step. Okay. Alright, so the principle is, first seek to be healed, then seek to rescue. Allow Him to heal you, and then go rescue. Now, let me finish with this. I know we've gone through a lot of stuff here, but I just wanted to finish. Well, here's the promises, the gospel, the priesthood, eternal life, eternal seed, and land. Uh, but I want to get to this one. What's our job as we do the works of Abraham? I want to finish by reading, uh, somebody find Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6. Okay, I'll tell you what, You'd say, Deuteronomy, why in the world are we in Deuteronomy? And Because I, I think it's just, it, it, this encapsulates what I've been trying to say here. Verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgment, even as the Lord God hath commanded me, that you, I think of all of you, should do so in the land whither you go to possess. In other words, wherever you live. You, luckily these days, no matter what land you're in, you have a, you have a, you're part of a, a sheep. You're part of a state. You've been gathered. Okay? Now listen to your responsibility, O Israel. Okay? <laughs> whoa, whoa, angels and whoa. Okay. O Israel, wherever you are, that have been gathered in, and I've cleansed you of your iniquities by baptism and the baptism of fire, and I've got you in there, here's your responsibility. Verse 6, Keep therefore and do them, do the commandments, for this is wisdom and your understanding in the sight of who? The nations. The nations are watching you. This is the Mormon moment. In the sight of the nations which shall hear of these statutes and the things that you do and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. We don't understand the Mormon religion, but what, here's what we know. They are good people. And every Mormon I've known has been a good person. I don't understand why Mitt Romney believes what he believes, but gosh, every Mormon that I've known has been a good guy. They seem to be really good people. They are a wise and understanding people. And it's happened. I bury my testimony where covenant Israel. The promises to us are incredible. The responsibilities in terms of our visibility and the good that we will do in the world is beyond our ability to understand anymore. And I do that with you, Jesus.